The stakes of this movie are immediately so high. An entire town is about to be washed away by heavy rains. And IDK, how relevant this was in 1998, but in 2023, it is terrifying. Anyway, we've got a stacked panel today. We've got Hallie, we've got John, we've got Sarah and Lauren from Enough Wicker, the podcast that brings you a scholarly look at the world's greatest television show, The Golden Girls. And I was lucky enough to briefly appear on this show at a year I cannot remember because of the pandemic, but it was like somewhat recently. <laughs> anyway, let's give a big welcome to Lauren and Sarah. Yay, all of our Woo! podcast listeners are cheering. Um. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Enough, please. <laughs> Quiet down. <laughs> when you sent, um, I, I was listening, like throughout the week, I was listening to a few episodes of, of your podcast. And I was just trying to think of like, I've, I've definitely listened to this before. Like I've listened to your <laughs> podcast before. And then I remembered like, wait, this is the, I remember Sarah did share this with everybody, like when she guest starred and uh, yeah, t- absolutely terrific. Did you, have you two ever um, done a crossover with, with other podcasts? Like, um, I feel like I've, I've heard the name of your podcast in the context of another podcast at some point. The one we've been on most frequently, Lauren, remind me, I think it's Meanwhile at the podcast. We've been on at least two or three times. <laughs> so um, I was on recently solo for uh, Lucille Ball book that I, I have on my docket but we can talk about that later but um but yeah we've done we've done other like crossovers i'm not sure about getting super in depth from like a movie that stars one of the characters though that this is probably new territory for us so yeah yeah we've never done that and actually did a uh basically like a fan call-in episode at the end of the year i think I think it was at the end of 2021. But yeah, that whole area era is like a blur for all of us, I think. Um, so we've had some people who were on uh, that episode who basically just like called and spoke about something that was meaningful to them in the show. Um, a couple actually, this one and um, we were on Retromade, which is a, a podcast hosted by somebody else who had called in mm-hmm. during that time period and like connected us, connected with us that way. So um I, I obviously like in an ideal world, we would do more of those sort of like fan call in episodes, but that one alone got us a lot of um, just people who have stayed in touch, you know, which has been really cool. And I feel like when people start their own podcasts, like if there's something relevant or like Golden Girls adjacent, they think of us, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, that's what we're trying to do. <laughs> and I think I may have also found a, a large pocket of your fan base in the, in the, in a Facebook group I'm part of. It's called All Things Cozy. And it's uh, just people just recommending cozy things that they that they do and and listen to or watch. And yeah, your your podcast has come up in those conversations as well. Amazing. I didn't know about that. That's phenomenal. I mean, it's so funny. It's so different from like the, you know, the three detractors that we have online telling us to stop cursing so much. People find us cozy. It's great. Well, let's be, let's be real. They tell me to stop cursing so much. We curse all the time. I think every single one of our episodes has the explicit marking, doesn't it? I yes. love it. And this is not a family friendly show. No. Every we'd had even with doing like the mommy market trading mom, we were like explicit. <laughs> In order to keep my summary a bit shorter this time, here's YouTube's official movie description. A weather forecast. Rain. Action forecast. Hard rain. The torrential excitement swept thriller featuring a screenplay from the writer of Speed and the on-screen talents of Morgan Freeman, Deep Impact, Christian Slater, Broken Arrow, Randy Quaid, Independence Day, and Minnie Driver, Good Will Hunting. The setting is the food-ravaged note. I think this was meant to say flood-ravaged. 
evacuated <laughs> <Yeah>. town. <laughs> Evacuated town of Huntingburg, where armored car driver Tom, later, is in deep danger. A gang of thieves led by Freeman figures the flood is its chance to heist the $3 million that Tom's transporting from local banks. But there's one thing the gun-carrying criminals don't count on, Tom. Come hell, high water, or both, he's determined to deliver the money entrusted to him. But before he does, He'll have to survive a relentless pursuit filled with close calls, ever-rising waters, uncertain loyalties, and heart-stopping heroics. Sadly, the above description neglects the incredibly important featured role played by our dearly departed Betty White. And speaking of people who starred on the Mary Tyler Moore show, it also fails to mention that Ed Asner is the driver of the armored car. And as For soon real. as I saw him on screen, I was like, oh no, he's going to die. And I was not wrong. But anyways, let's get back to Betty. She plays a badass woman named Doreen who refuses to evacuate her home until she and her husband finish setting traps because the last time the town nearly washed away, someone looted their home before they got back. Minnie Driver and Christian Slater wind up breaking into their home where she and her husband are sleeping in the attic with a shotgun and their very full cat. Anyway, let's hear what the group thought of this heist movie set in a demented version of a water park. I'm going to start with three questions written by ChatGPT, which appears to know more about Hard Rain than In the Spirit, thank God. So our first question for our panelists, Hard Rain incorporates elements of both action and thriller genres. How well do you think the film balances these two genres? I, I don't know the definition of action versus thriller, but what I would consider a thriller was really not present in this movie. <laughs> at all. So I would say you know, I'm waiting at like 98% action. Uh, but yeah, I just thought like, you know, a bunch of Americans, lots of guns and fire and, and you know, heroics, also things that don't obey the laws of physics or reality, but you know, whatever, that's fine. So yeah, action, action for me. I, I think action too. I think anytime you have to rely on incredible amounts of electricity pulsing through water, <laughs> with no consequences until they just are written in. I just want to piggyback on the whole like electricity water thing, the whole like gunpowder water thing. I'm pretty sure I don't know guns, but I don't think that that's how guns work. I was shocked that he pulled a gun out of like fully submerged hard rain where like presumably weird things are floating around in that water and it was just firing no problem. <laughs> but I also do not know guns, nor do I want to. So I'll maintain my ignorance. There were also just incredible feats of holding breath that were, yes, kind of written in, but also just like horribly unpanicked at times where I was like, this is incredibly, like when Minnie Driver had that when she was handcuffed to the post, she was just kind of like sitting under there thinking about her predicament. And I was like, this is, what? <laughs> It's very similar to Titanic. I feel like the handcuffs. I was like, I gotta just watch Titanic. I'm sorry. <laughs> that actually was in one of the reviews I read. I forget I saw if it, it was something on Reddit. Ebert. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. We were like, yeah, it would have been kind of cool if they literally didn't just do this way better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Titanic. Yeah, Titanic was released in December of '97, and this was released in January of '98. So to follow <laughs> very and yeah and I think that there's a few reasons why they buried this 70 million dollar movie I think there's a reason they buried this in January 
Yeah. Well, can you imagine if somebody did a water survival movie right after you did a water survival movie or right before? And, and your water survival movie made $2 billion. <laughs> Seriously. That, yeah, the, the only parts where I thought were like, were kind of like thriller-like is I thought they were suspenseful. And I feel like suspense thriller is a thing. Um, is the, is those two parts where, okay, you have a, a room uh, fill, slowly filling with water and a person needing to escape and they did that twice. They did that once with Christian Slater in the gel cell, and the second time with Minnie Driver um, along her banister. But the Christian Slater one, they totally like undo the thrill of it at the end where the guy's like, is he dead? Well, I don't know. <laughs> They're so <laughs> casual. I would classify speed as a thriller. And so Agreed. I felt like I was I was expecting maybe a little more of like, um, and speed I think is also action too. So I feel like, I was expecting more from, yeah, the, the claim that this is a thriller. Um, but I agree with everyone. I felt like it was mostly action. And, like, even the suspenseful parts, yeah, I was like, how, what is, how, how is this possible? You know, like, I was too, like, taken out of it by everything else that was surrounding the situation to even be, like, caught up in the suspense. So, yeah, it's an action film for me. The most suspenseful part for me was in the armored truck when you thought they called the National Guard, then all of a sudden the headlights from the Morgan Freeman car just turn on them. And maybe I just was in a place watching it where I was like, oh, whoa, what's going to happen? And once the it, the tension built when, you know, the, the brights came on, that's when it felt a little thrillery because I was like, oh, God, this is going to get really dangerous. What about early with the like? You forgot to sign with a fake out. I that love was, fake out. I was that like, was pretty cool. funny. Like I laughed though. Like I don't know if that was their intent. I thought they. I felt like the writer and the whole <laughs> producers were like, "We're gonna really get them, and their heart rate's gonna go up." And I just sort of laughed out loud. So I'm not really sure if it was intended to be funny, but there was that fake out in the beginning. I laughed a lot, and I I kind of thought that they were in on the joke. But to your point, like maybe they didn't want for me to laugh as much as I did. I think I would have not laughed. It had just been Christian Slater, but I think because he was with, what's his name? Ed Asner. Yeah, but I was like, oh, he, he's not going to be a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. <And> then... <laughs> Although you can't, you know, then you have like, again, Ed Asner, like cute old person. Then you have Betty White, who's a cute old person, but she's also not. She's like, I forget how you described her in the beginning, Sarah, but she also is just like that friggin' lady who won't evacuate and you're like god damn it my job is to take you out of here just come with me and she's like no why in hell you know I, truly how upsetting that would be for any <laughs> rescue team of just why betty white is the scariest person in this movie woman's got bear traps i love how uh, when she has a shotgun pulled on them like she's just like you know hanging down from the from her attic with a shotgun and her husband says, like, you know, what's going on? It's like, go back to bed. I got this covered. There is this storyline where it's like, oh, she's so annoying. And they're like, I wouldn't blame you if you drowned her in the basement. You're like, cool, cool, cool joke about murdering your woman by a person who's statistically the most likely to murder her. Cool, cool. Really like that. Really appreciated it. Yeah. Took a little bit of a turn for me. You're like, okay, yeah. 1990s. There was love there, though, because he tried, he got offered the slot on the boat and he was like, bye. <laughs> I'm staying here. <laughs> Speaking of Titanic, it, it, the the part where yeah, you know, the part where he threatens her, like you know, he's trying to row, he starts to row them back towards Morgan Freeman and company, 
and he finally like you know stands up to her and that's supposed to get like a cheer from the audience i it felt just like that dumb scene in titanic where molly where molly brown gets or kathy bates get yelled gets yelled at on the lifeboat that, that's mm-hmm. not this isn't a cheering moment i don't want you to talk to betty white like that I, that is not what I thought you were going to say further in the tree. It's kind of like the old people in the in bed. The bed. Yes, oh, yeah. totally. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> when they were in the tree. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> the water was running over them. It was very similar. I laughed so hard when he told her to shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> that that was just, great. The timing of it was just, I, I did laugh at that. That was a very uh, laugh out loud moment for me. It was kind of like anticlimactic, I thought, at the vi- like at the end of the tree scene when he was like, next time I say to evacuate, like, we're going to evacuate. And I was like, yeah, a little late. I don't know. Like, I feel like it's for real. I kind of wonder because I know that they that in this movie, like originally Morgan Freeman doesn't get away or I think he may he might even die. And test audiences didn't like him dying. So they went back and, and filmed him, um, you know, getting some money and getting away. Kind of Shawshank Redemption-y. Um, and then I, I'm kind of wondering if they use that time to also film the Betty White and Richard Dysart scene on the tree. Because like Biz, during the entire scene where you know the that final wave washes over the town, I just kept on thinking, like, I actually asked my husband, do you think Betty White's okay? Like what's <laughs> like what's going like what's going on? Like where why isn't it showing her? Where are they? Is she okay? And then they finally, when they showed her and her and her husband in the tree, it's like, okay, they they had to show us that she's alive, or that. Yeah, they. I, I love they that. Did. They, I, we would have been wondering. <laughs> and she's not. She's not Rose Young, Golden Girls e in this. Like yeah. she looks old. Rose Young. That's what I'm gonna call her. <laughs> I know Rose from Titanic. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, not Titanic. Rose not Golden young Girls. Either. She's not Rose Golden Girls Young, but she's still like younger than I feel like. We're our generation to kind of stereotypically fall in love with her of just like this old old lady who was fucking hilarious yeah yeah totally and i feel like she was like they were definitely an older couple but they were obviously very like capable and self-sufficient so i think also in the 90s that was like a different like it was like oh it's a woman in her 60s who can like set bear traps and like shoot a gun you know like I feel like it was a different sort of like it was like not as much of a trope as old ladies are often and even like uh like the type that like won't evacuate like I feel like that's mostly like a man too so I I was really happy to see Betty White in that role and like her husband trying to like be the voice of reason um so that was fun I agree I I always think it's I don't know I always think it's refreshing to see older people in action movies I feel like we don't we never really get that. I think that's also why like everything never were all at once. Totally. Um, but there she reminded me, Betty White's character reminded me of the grandmother from Dante's Peak. Totally. Yeah, totally. The, grand, the grandmother that sacrifices herself to save her family and Pierce Brosnan and from the volcano. Yeah, so definitely shades of that. I'm gonna move on to that the next chat GPT question, which I'm really into. Um, in Hard Rain, the characters find themselves in absurd and extreme situations due to the flooding. If you were in their shoes, what unconventional item or strategy would you bring along to help you navigate the flooded town and outsmart the bad guys? I I was thrown by unconventional here if it applied to the movie because my item's quite conventional in the situation of Hard Rain, which is scuba diving gear. <laughs> that is so good. Why, thank you. 
I was just, I actually was very impressed with his little breathing tube solution for when he's at the top of the gel. I was like, oh, that was like the first time I was like, oh, all right, somebody in this movie using their brain. Like that was Absolutely. pretty cool. Obviously after he had already been under the water for two minutes without panic breath. But uh, but yeah, I think the, I don't know if it's an item, but the, the package of a scuba diving gear would be great. Yeah, I mean, I just know my dumbass would be like, surely it's not going to get that deep. We don't need scuba gear. I'd be like, I'd probably bring a canoe. Make sure it's not a metal canoe. And I bet you, again, I'd have a metal canoe. But so if if I was being smart, a wooden canoe with paddles and life vests. My honest answer to this question is like, I would probably just drown. Like I wouldn't be able to, what am I going to get to be this, you know? Um, but actually I also wanted to tell you all. Uh, so I was watching this movie and my partner was on the couch with me, but she was playing, uh, I guess she was playing Zelda or something on her hand. And then she looked up like, 45 minutes into this movie and was like why is there so much rain i was like have you been here she was like i thought this was about betty white it's like she's more of a survivalist so i would i would just like i don't know whatever she brought i'd be like sure but if it's on me like i don't know i'm probably just gonna float away (laughs) i like that answer though it's unconventional in that you're using broader resources and other human beings yeah yeah and i would bring like um a sense of acceptance, you know? Yeah, like a road joint to, like, be chill about it, you know? <laughs> I mean, I was, I mean, when when I went whitewater rafting a couple of years ago, I was flung out of the boat. Um, and, like, everybody in the boat was panicking. But when they, after they, like, after they pulled me back in, um, they said, like, John, like, you were, you were strangely calm during this entire thing. And I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, what else, what else am I going to do? Um, so I think I, I think I would be okay with death, like pretty quickly. I was going to say like a paddleboard. You and Lauren are just vibing in the corner (laughs) while I'm (laughs) underwater and trying to save Hallie and Sarah who's been knocked over on her paddleboard because that wave (laughs) is big, man. All right. But I, can I, can I have a question about this? So we are planning this survival, right? As if we are characters in the movie. I question the entire fucking premise. I don't think Christian Slater would ever... So I guess my question is the whole time, because his uncle was a scammer in on Morgan Freeman. Ooh, another twist. It was cool. Um, Who got accidentally shot by his like 17 year old crony. Anyway, (laughs) does, is he actually trying to protect the money for the good of this company? So I, I, I think they were, there was a lot of different answers. They were trying to tumble around. (laughs) <laughs> like, I, because I think at first they try to convince you that, um, there's they even Morgan Freeman even says it like right away. Oh, he hid the money because he knows that if he, um, he knows that if we don't know where it is, we'll keep him alive. And it's like, I mean, I'm pretty sure that if, if he had just left the money in the truck and just, you know, ran, ran off behind a tree, like they would have just left, they would have oh, just yeah. left and not, and not looked and not looked for him. Um, yeah. Uh, and then they try and then it's like they kind of hint, I feel like at some point that, you know, there's a part of him that, you know, wanted to honor his uncle, but I don't think his uncle would have I don't think his uncle would have cared. Um, because his uncle didn't care about the, his uncle, you know, was in on it and didn't care about the money. And then he talked about Bailey's, how part of him was kind of tempted. And I feel like that would have been more interesting if he, you know, if he was kind of 
wasn't completely noble and he was actually hiding the money you know because it's like now is his chance i feel like that would have been more interesting than just this convoluted mixture of all three that we got i agree i think there was a missed opportunity in the screenplay for everyone to sort of grapple with the idea of the money you know even mini driver you know you you get the sense that she was away she went to college was like someone in the town to go to college right and then is now back and restoring this church and what would she do with them you know there's like a lot of i think questions that you could yeah the altruism of i care about my job so much that i will save all this money is a little more far-fetched i'd say but maybe that makes also, that. the money's insured. Like he's got to be trying to steal it. Right. Like there's no way. That's, that I guess it. that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, he's totally stealing that money. Right. But then I really didn't know. I couldn't figure out his motivation. But then at the end, it doesn't make any sense. Is it because then he fucking falls in love and he, his mind is changed by the awkwardly. It's not even that many drivers that religious. She just happens to be <laughs> restoring a church. Like it doesn't. And she's so concerned. She doesn't think that the, gallons and gallons of water damage is going to make like it's going to be fine it's crazy well the ro the romance of this too is funny if you look at it in relation to speed because in speed i completely bought the romance like in speed i was like mm -hmm, trauma bonded this is completely they were together in a way that the whole movie was sort of very much them you knew it was going to end with a romantic thing. This felt the line at the end, to your point about trauma bonding, right? Yeah. At the end of Speed, he says something like, do you know that it's like common for people in near-death experiences to want to have sex or something? And it's like somehow hot. And then at the end of this one, he's like, are you all right? It's like, I'm really tired. Yeah, girl, you've been treading water for like seven hours at least. I, I do wonder if Minnie Driver, she, I wonder if she had, if they took her input into how her character would react, because sometimes I feel like, I feel like this movie does have a woman, does have a female character problem. Yes. Um, especially like the, like why the, like why the almost rape scene, why the almost assault scene. Um, but it's the fact that they didn't have her, like during her scene, like you, you said, um, I think Hallie said earlier that she's kind of underreacting when her when she was tied to the banister and water was filling up and she wasn't screaming she wasn't like they they tried really hard to i think give her some like a sense of agency to save herself as much as she could before christian slater eventually um finished that for her um but then like do they actually do they actually get together in this movie is i i think I think it just kind of ends on that on that dorky freeze frame. It does just end. They're it too just tired ends. to have sex. <laughs> There's no other way right. to describe it. It's that dorky freeze frame. It, it ends with like something that's so like what? I thought there was at least going to be a kiss. Be only not that I wanted a kiss, but right. because it felt like that's what what was going to happen. It was right. a '90s movie with Minnie Driver and Christian Slater. And her reaction, like after, like after, yeah, she's almost killed by. Um, Randy Quaid one last time I, I kind of did like her reaction of just like kind of just collapsed like with her head down just like kind of I'm um, just kind of waving that she's okay that she's just so fed up with this shit and you know and in real life Minnie Driver says that she absolutely hated doing this movie because I think really? that, I think that every I think that every actor that has to work in water for two years um probably hates that movie that they were in 
Two years? Sorry, two years? I think so, because I saw when I was looking through making of stuff, I saw um, publications from like 90, 1996 of them, of, of them in the set. So this was, yeah, they were doing this for a while. Can um, I, um, even Kate can Winslet, I read? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Kate, Winslet, Kate Winslet what? Even Kate Winslet hated making Titanic. So did Leo. The they were like, because oh, of that? Yeah, because yeah, the, of water. Yeah, they're freezing. He got yeah. hypothermia at yeah. one point. Yeah, fun times. Yeah. Well, well Roger they, Ebert they yeah. comments on this movie, by the way, the whole like standing <laughs> in water. He's like, can I, can I read part of the review? <laughs> it's really funny. Like, Hard Rain is one of those movies that never convince you its stories are really happening. From beginning to end, I was acutely aware of actors being paid to stand in cold water. <laughs> Suspension of my disbelief in this case would have required psychotropic medications. By the time we finally arrived at the story, I was essentially watching a documentary about wet actors at work. Savage! Oh, wow. You know, I, I, not to deep cut to Titanic every five seconds, but this is apropos because I think everyone was just so wet in this movie. And the thing with Titanic is that there's a lot of dry before they get to the wet. <laughs> and I think you need a little more dry to sort of like get everybody ready. Everyone was wet when they were in the car and she was like, she looked at mini driver looked cold. How how long is this movie again? Is this like an hour and a half? Three hours of Titanic, right? So it's just the wet half of Titanic. Another Titanic connection is that the director of this, Mikkel Salomon, I'm so sorry if I if you're listening to this, Mr. Salomon, if I uh, mispronounced your name. Um, he He's not was, listening, but... <laughs> he was mostly a cinematographer. He was listening, and then he fucking stopped because we were ripping off. He's like, my film is not Titanic. He's like, I get it. I didn't make Titanic. Move on. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, for da- I mean, for for Baby Boomer Dads Everywhere, he's he's famous for making Band of Bro- the Band of Brothers TV series oh, okay. from several years ago. Okay. Band of Brothers is good. <laughs> Very yeah. good. He was also, though, the cinematographer. He was a cinematographer turned director. And he did the cinematography for The Abyss. This is why, pretty much why he got this movie, because he knew how to film water. And I believe, let's see, James Cameron did The Abyss, right? So I'm sorry, the only requirement for being the director of this movie was filming water. That explains like a lot, actually. Yeah, like, pretty much. But um, it, to be fair, it did get a lot yeah. of accolades for its realistic portrayal of water. Like, to be fair, movies at this time, this is right when everybody was like, oh, we can use CGI. You know, like Titanic used it, but well. But I, I don't know if anybody ever saw Air, Air Force One, which was like the year before this, I think. <laughs> did show, you like, see a plane Air Force One? Well, I'm sorry. I just want to make sure, <laughs> you know? It's like, kind of like Dante's Peak. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, get off my plane. Uh, <laughs> but like the plane breaks at the end in CGI and you're just like, even as a 13-year-old or whatever I was in 1997, I was like, no. Mm-mm. Just no. I, that's what I, I think... There is this movie actually kind of got a second wind on home video. And I've also noticed on, um, I mean, not that this is, I guess this is indicative of too much, but Letterboxd, um, the ratings on Letterboxd actually aren't bad because I think a lot of people are just kind of people that are just kind of discovering this movie now are gushing over, oh my God, all of this is real. Like, except for the CG, except for a little bit of CGI and miniatures. I mean, even miniatures are practical effects. Exactly. Yeah. 
like they they flooded uh they flooded a hangar for this uh six um it took them six it took yeah six million dollars to flood a, to build a town a graveyard and flooded inside of a of a giant hangar i mean that's the practical effects are amazing in fact if this yeah. was like a silent movie with like maybe just some like water noises i would have been just as into it as i was with dialogue i feel like honestly if christian slater was just gonna like steal the money or like if it was like why are you doing this just tell me why and then i feel like i would have been on board with it or if he was like this is my family's company, you know, like, I don't know, something to like, right. Explain. Yeah. It would like his uncle's honor. Like, I don't know. That's not it. I, I wanted some motivation. I agree when well, you're talking about that earlier, like very one dimensional that he's just like so noble that he must do the right thing. Cause it's the right thing. And it's just like hollow because I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I think if they just built that out a little bit more, it would have enhanced it, the plot quite a bit. Do you do you think like they did a bunch of rewrites or something? Because, John, you were talking about like it feels like in the beginning they're going different ways. And you just reminded me, Lauren, that when he's in the the truck, he says something like, I'm getting out of this town. Right. Like they could have done one of those classic like I can't find myself in the small town. And then he's like, but Minnie Driver was here all along or some shit. Right. Like they just didn't go that direction. And I wonder if they were trying to initially. It's like Frank Capra's hard rain. Like, I kind of want to watch that. I am Frank Oh my god. I mean, this is also supposed to be this was they said that this was written as a western. Like they wanted this to be the like the spirit of a western. Um and they said that is just they just kind of got that idea just kind of got washed away gradually. Hey um, I can see the skeleton of, of a western though. I can see like okay, you have who you think is the bad guy, and then he turns out to be a kind of a more shades of gray guy. And then the real bad guy is law enforcement. And I feel like that's like, you know, that's something out of like a, a John, For John Ford movie or, you know, just a lot of shades of gray character. But like, you know, like Lauren said, this would have been a lot more interesting of, and I feel like everybody was a little bit, I don't know, more self-interested and we, you know, we didn't need it. We didn't need a white hat in this movie. Morgan Freeman's costume is very Western. Like, I feel like maybe they kept that yes. from what they were originally like. You're right. <laughs> and you, I, you, you totally talked about the lawn for, you know, the screw the town, like throw the badge away. Right. That is very Western-y. That's interesting. See, this is why AI isn't going to replace this, guys, because, John, you pulled out the Western thing and they asked if it was action or thriller. So whatever. Yeah, ChatGPT hallucinated some genres there. I don't even know if they were trying for thriller. I didn't bet these questions. Now I feel like they have so they. now I right they now I feel like they have so many scenes on the cutting room floor and someone was just like no we need more water. You no. think there was you think there was a dry twenty minutes? There could have been a dry twenty minutes of like some good narrative. We no. just got the fake out in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> and also, like they they didn't make us care about the town at all. Like the reason that. What made Titanic work so well was that we got to see the ship in all its like beautiful, elegant glory, and then that all that elegance got submerged and destroyed in front of our eyes. Um, we uh, this was a lot of this town was just kind of like in shadows, and they didn't really show a lot of character in this town. I feel like, um, you know, it's you're supposed to care about the church. Do you think? I think that's the closest thing, and I and I think I, I kind of liked like at first when I when I realized okay, so they're taking refuge inside this church and they're still in danger. 
Um, so are you trying, like, are they trying to say that, you know, like God isn't home and God kind of turned his eye on, on this town and everybody's out for themselves and, you know, the sinners are being washed away in a flood. And I bet you somewhere that's, there's probably something like that in the, in their screenplay, but it just got, I feel like it just got mixed up because, you know, it, it, the good guys still win and it's just so like for a premise that you know, where they're implying that God is, you know, God isn't home. Um, you know, people, the, all the, all the good guys still survive and, you know, there's a tagged on love story. It's, yeah. it's a bit formulaic. About the town piece, like, obviously Titanic is like one of the most celebrated movies of all time. So maybe like coming down a little bit, I feel like in Twister, they do a really good job of like this side character and like, here's their little story. And like, here's like, like, everybody knows Helen Hunt because she's, like, in the town tracking storms. And, like, she's the hero to the whole town. And, like, I felt like, yeah, like, Betty White and her husband were really the only, like, town characters that had, like, a smaller plot that wasn't, like, one of the people we were following. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's a really good point. Like, the town isn't really a character beyond it's just really flooded. <laughs> the levees are broken, you know, like... <laughs> That's so that's such a such a good point, Lauren, because Twister also, I think, did a really good job of having balancing the natural disaster with a backstory. You all you know why Helen Hunt's character is chasing the Twister because she lost her father. Like there's a reason she's doing it. Um, obviously Spoiler alert. No, I know. Yeah, Twister's so good. <laughs> Twister, Twister. I have a very special spot in my heart for Twister. It's a fabulous movie. Um no, I, I I totally agree that the, the the little secondary characters had a little more story depth. I also want to just add the whole like not the script not really taking things seriously. And no, listen, not knock it. Like Speed was a wonderful movie. How the fuck are you going to top that? Sorry, dude. Whatever. But I looked up the actual script just to sort of like follow along and see what the notes are. And there's some really funny notes that are just like the non dialogue piece. There's so much non dialogue direction in the script, right? Like painting the picture of this natural disaster and stuff. But the part where at the very end, like when the levee's gonna break where the alarm goes off at the dam or whatever, the guy who's fucking pooping, shopping for guns in the catalog, whatever, um, it, says, it says in the script, and then just then they all hear something truly ominous. A siren pierces the night. And that's all it says. You're just like, wait, what? So you're reading it and you're like, the ambulance like what's what's they're, he's ta they're talking about the, the siren for the dam going off but i just that just kind of made me chuckle a little bit like again it's it should have been tweaked a little bit the script just really needed tightening as we've all said here from a characterization of the town to characters in general yada yada my husband he points out a lot of stuff in these movies too he says, like, you know, shouldn't the water, like, he kept, he kept pointing out, like, the inconsistencies and, in, like, you know, like, where the water levels were. And, um, like, shouldn't, like, you know, this water just, like, rose a foot in this scene. And it's, and it's been, like, 30 minutes, and now it's, it's, it's only risen, like, two more inches. Um, like, you know, in Titanic, like, I think the, you know, the sinking of the ship, and we keep on talking about Titanic, the, the sinking of the ship in the movie, I believe, is about the same amount of time like yeah. it's it's an, it's, an, it's, an, it's an almost real time and James well, Cameron yeah. very perfection like very you know per, the perfectionist that he is um you know keeps the water levels pretty consistent like i'm i'm absolutely obsessed with titanic too so it's 
um, yeah, it's for all of its other historical inaccuracies, he was, you know, pretty spot on about, you know, at least like within the movie, um, like what the water was doing. And in this, the water just seemed, the, the water seemed controlled by, um, you know, the narrative, like, you know, the contrivances of the narrative rather than, you know, just being a force of nature that these people are trying to escape. Right. The, uh, so <laughs> like your point about like cutting room floor and all of the inconsistencies, like there's that, that adage that's like a movie is made three times. Like the screenwriter writes it, the director shoots it, and then the editor edits it. So I wonder if like somewhere in that mess of things, right. They were just like, yeah, this scene's dumb. And then it's like, the water just jumps like one whole foot or something, or maybe it was three hours and they had to cut it down. I have no idea. But clearly there was not like a perfectionist at the helm like James Cameron. I because I will say one of the things just in my my nerdy brain when I was watching it kept going like I wish I knew how do I put this? I was like, I wish I knew more about water dynamics in a town. Like I wish I knew what like how do we know when the dam is gonna go over? Like, cause when I heard that alarm, weirdly a in siren my- pierces oh, the night. Siren. <laughs> My instant, I, I weirdly was like, oh, the National Guard is here. Maybe that's from Twister. I, feel like I was like, that's, that means somebody's coming. <laughs> yeah. And then they were like, oh, no, it's the dam breaking. And <laughs> the other thing was I was like, the, wa- the water is so awful, like so dangerous. Even that the police are there felt dangerous. It had a lot to say. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Lauren, about public service and not being respected at your job by the mayor who ditches all of the people in town to handle the business and he's out of the way. And that was like the one setup we got for Randy Quaid's like insane pivot to villainy. <laughs> like it's just like the mayor is like, see you later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like it's pretty, um, <laughs> there's not too much to get into depth. Yeah. It's not quite deep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah like, but I do feel like the way that he's introduced even from the very beginning it like I really am picturing like such a western now and like actually I'm picturing specifically uh in the Golden Girls when Dorothy's dressed as the sheriff you know for the play and she comes walking in with like her nightstick like that's like now how I picture Randy Quaid like walking in the beginning when he's telling everyone to evacuate um oh my god (laughs) And I don't know, I feel like from the very beginning, you can tell he's like a kind of like a power hungry guy. And um, it's fun. It's like a little like a scandalo in the middle of it. But it's, uh, yeah, I feel like it's just like, he's like a bumbling guy. And he's really bad. And he's super corrupt. Um, so yeah, I feel like there's not too much like to unpack there. But it's a fun little subplot. I just love the callback to the the picnic production. I think it was. Yeah, I feel like they're dressed the same. Um, okay, I want to get into the Betty White of it all. Thank you for that beautiful transition. Betty White's character, Doreen, brings a comedic and unexpected element to the film. How does her portrayal of an eccentric elderly woman add humor and charm to the story? Share your favorite scene or line from Betty White's character and discuss why you think it stands out in the movie. I mean, my favorite scene is when she's holding the cat and like aggressively yelling at everyone. <laughs> so good. The cat's so great. I love when you meet her because I think you're, ex- or like, I don't know, I was expecting like kind of sassy, but like ultimately sweet and lovable Betty White, like as she normally plays. Um, and this lady's like really not. Like, I feel like if it, I don't know, I wish I 
I don't know. I wonder if it weren't Betty White or somebody like I didn't have an attachment to, like if I would have felt anything but like annoyance for this character. Um, I, I, cause I do find her like sort of endearing. Like, obviously it's like so cool to see an old lady like setting bear traps, but like ultimately her, like her reasoning for saying is bad and she's like stubborn and she's like causing a problem. So I don't know. I wonder if that was like considered or if they were just like, Betty White said she'll do this. So we got to We got to get her, you know, like, I don't know that she's a necessarily like a fit for it, but maybe that's what they wanted was like twist. Betty White's being mean. Like, <laughs> come see this rain movie. <laughs> but I, I also think like, yeah, the, the point about like, would I be even attached to this character as much if it weren't Betty White is a good one, because as we all mentioned before, it's lovely to see a depiction of not only a woman, but like an elderly woman that um, in an action movie slash thriller slash western um, but like she ultimately is a vignette in the plot and to your point Hallie like it could have there could have been so many more vignettes of townspeople affected by this a la Twister or Titanic and I don't know it totally threw me the like emotional scene and I like I did get very much like the old dying people in the bed Titanic scene in the tree because I was like wow, this part pulls the heartstrings. But because she was old, that was the only reason. Like, I wouldn't have given a shit if somebody else was up there cuddling and dying, probably. But, like, just because the movie didn't really give me that, like, depth of emotion. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure if, like, Betty White is, like, super necessary. Like, I don't, I'm not sure if Doreen is super necessary to the movie other than adding color. Although, obviously, we're all pleased that Betty White is playing Doreen. I also like her scene when she's introduced. I think that's the strongest one. I agree. I totally agree. I agree. I think the first scene of hers is my favorite where she has to remind the sheriff that she didn't vote for him. Like I didn't reelect you. You weren't even supposed to be here. That felt it. And, and I agree that it, I think Betty just made it like she, she made it because she was Betty White and she was able to be, a little more, uh, you know, just just Betty White with a rifle is just like a rootin' tootin' fun. I it like can't it. not be likable. It's like, oh. yeah, this character is such a, like, a curmudgeon, but, like, still rooting for her. I still want to save the cat. <laughs> I forgot about what might have happened to the cat. We didn't see the cat in the tree, and now I'm upset about that. But I hope it's a strong swimmer. What's the, there's the website for movies, like, does the dog die in the yeah. end? Is there one for cats? Um, I don't think know. They, okay. they do in, on that site. They've actually expanded it. it actually, they've expanded it. Oh, <laughs> good, good. Well, I've actually, never heard it, of this site. I've never heard of that site. Uh, that is hilarious. Yeah. Um, they expanded it to like include, you know, like trigger, like actually like, you know, legit trigger warnings too for a, for a bunch of other yeah, a bunch of other things. Like, does it feature child murder? Because that's something that now I'm trying to stay away from. Correct. Right. Like, <laughs> actually, stuff where we're yeah, like, you're like, cool. My worst nightmare is really in reality. Actually, it, it, but yes, you should check out that site. I think it does a very good service for the animal lovers in our world. I also will never not find any person with a rain bonnet not funny. And her rain jacket combination. Yeah, the rain bonnet, rain jacket combination was like, <laughs> costuming was on point that day. I was like, so cute. Totally. I'm ready um, for my rain bonnet era. Like, yeah. bring them out. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect weather for it in New York. I wanted to also just point out that, so Betty White is 
only 15 years older than Morgan Freeman in real life. She's older for sure, but she's not like uh, as, I don't know. I feel like she's not played to be like a a grandmother exactly, just like an, an elderly character. Um, but Morgan Freeman, I feel like is, like his age is like not really a factor so much. And it's interesting that the gap in real life is only 15 years. Um, I don't know. I feel like that was, Morgan Freeman's character seemed, I guess, like much younger than Betty White's, which is maybe just like a social interpretation because like, I don't know what about his story and her story says that, but I guess it's like that she's trying to like defend her home and like not leave her home. And he's out like, you know, essentially being like an outlaw. I don't know. I felt like they seemed like a much bigger age gap than they actually are in real life. I would like it more if they had switched those two roles. I want to see Betty White leave the heist. Yeah, <laughs> agree. I feel like in 2023, Betty White's character would have to have been Betty White like the year before she died. And everything would have been like um, stunt, like stunts where Betty White was like jumping in the water and doing, and you'd have, it would be that. I'm for it. Could we talk about the, uh, about the casting a little bit before we get into our own casting? Oh, yeah, like the actual movie casting? Yes. Yeah. Um, so Siskel actually said that he was he didn't like the movie either, but he was really surprised about how poorly it did. Like considering, like, you know, it, it was very, it, it, he said it was still very entertaining, but just kind of on a reptile brain level. Um, the fact that they spent- Did this review come out before the movie? <laughs> I just love the idea of a yeah. critic totally tanking it and being like, I don't know why it didn't do well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know, right? Um, but it's, I, I think the fact that the studio dropped, like they spent two years and they spent $70 million and they then, you know, dropped this movie off in January, which is a no man's land um, for, for any good movies. Um, so I think well, that Titanic did, is still in theaters, obviously. Other, other movies that were still in theaters at the time include As Good As It Gets, Goodwill Hunting, Tomorrow Never Dies, um, Jackie Brown, Scream 2, Flubber, um, Mouse Hunt, um, and also, um, but this movie did, I think this movie did outperform Spice World by a little bit, which is unfortunate. I know, right? No, but it's... So Not in my home. <laughs> so there's a bunch of, Dece like, all these December movies, all these, like, November, December movies are actually still floating around, and this movie gets, and this movie gets, also gets crushed by them. Um, so the day after this movie was released in LA, um, Christian Slater turned himself into the police, um, for, you know, for like some drug charges, battery and assault. Um, yeah. I did not realize that was like, that's the timing wow. of all of that. So, so the fact that he, that they were making, that they started making this in like 96 and then all that stuff, like all this stuff happened in his personal life, like drugs, alcohol, um, domestic violence um, happened in 97. You know, I'm I'm wondering if the studio realized that they needed to bury this movie because of Christian Slater. Um, because I don't know, because I feel like if they had just like dropped this off in the middle of summer, it would have done fine. Like it would have just been like another, you know, natural disaster. Lizard brain. Yeah, lizard brain. Yeah, lizard brain blockbuster. That would have, that probably would have made at least his budget back. You don't drop a movie off in January for no good reason. But I do remember like seeing previews for this because I was already obsessed with Titanic by then being like, ooh, another another movie where everything gets flooded. And I really wanted to see it. 
and um, I finally and I finally got to see it now. And yeah, it's okay. Oh, I'm sorry you waited 25 <laughs> years to finally see this movie. It's been it's been, it's been 84 years. <laughs> the Titanic deep cuts are just really making my life. It's, this is the Titanic podcast now. This is the Titanic podcast. There was a website called KateWinsletFan.com uh, that was up and running in the 90s. It was There was a forum. Um, so I don't know. I spent a lot of time on there in like 97 to 2001. So I'm very happy anytime Titanic comes up. <laughs> Kate Winslet was like, yeah. I, I rewatched it after I rewatched Titanic after the submersible extravaganza. Oh, um, she's incredible. And it, it, you guys, it's it, it still holds. It still holds up. My husband never saw it because he's an alien and he watched it last year and was like, holy shit, this movie's really good. Yeah, it <laughs> won a lot of Oscars. It reminded me of that. Like there was like a tweet from someone who was 20 like this year. And they were commenting about Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On. And they were like, man, this song should have been much bigger than it was. And then somebody replied, like, no offense, but were you alive? <laughs> it was huge. Yeah. It was huge. <laughs> that movie rocked the world. My 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 step my stepkids, um, you know, they're you know, they're boys, and so they're just like Titanic's dumb. Um, they're straight boys. So you know they're they're like Titanic's Titanic's dumb, um, and then they had but their the, boobs the, in it. They, I was gonna they, say there's great boobs in it, but they had the nerve it's to say spectacular call, boobs. They had the nerve to call it a cult classic. So many things wrong with that. It yeah, just it's, a classic. Yeah. It's a classic. Um, I I rewatched it though for uh, as I kind of rewatch it almost every year, but I finally got to rewatch it on the big screen back in April, and I as a day off, and I was there by myself. And I was just like bawling my eyes out because I hadn't seen it in theater since I was eight. Um, and it's just so much more emotional and, you know, like it, it hits you. It, it, the movie actually grows with you, actually. I, I think the more life happens to you. It, it, yeah. I think it really, the movie really does grow with you as you get older. I did, I did see an interview with Kate Winslet, though, where she was like, yeah, I, I didn't see it. I haven't seen it since it came out in 1997, but then I did see it when it went to 3D and I saw it with my kids and that was a mistake. Because <laughs> we got to the, we got to the, I was like, because of the boobs and the we got to the boob and scene. car scene. We got to the boob scene yeah, and the, the car hands. scene and they were like, can we go get ice cream? And she yeah. was like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> oh my God. It's like the opposite. Yeah. That's really, yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> being really embarrassed to watch tv with your mom except it is your mom in the also sex. the fun fun fact the hand thing was a last minute addition on the day the more you know there you go the more you know i'd love somebody to tune in right now in the middle of this podcast and be like wait i thought this was hard rain what are you okay, guys yeah. talking about you gotta stop <laughs> should we talk about updating casting because we could also talk about updating the plot but i don't really know that we need to update much it's just a bunch of rain I feel like this movie would have been a lot more digestible if Christian Slater's character was fixed and his motivations were fixed. Because I feel like I think I think um, Lauren said that she would have been on board. And like, I feel like I would have been more on board if his motivations for why he did what he did made made more sense. Because I feel like on on the surface, um, you know, a heist like a heist in the rain uh, in, in a flooded town, that that sounds cool. Like that, that actually sounds cool, like, um, like, uh, like on its own, but just the execution is just, 
even if he was just MacGyver, I don't even need plot. But if there was just more of him, like turning a flashlight into a snorkel, I could have gone with that. There you go. That's fair. Totally forget the actual name. Was it Ray? The guy was quoting Bible verses. Was that Ray? Okay. I just love this guy because he's like, he has, he just comes in. He's the character, like he's the, he's the comic relief essentially. Right. Like, but he is that character. The, the, the little crew that like Morgan Freeman rolls with in the beginning is very archetypal. Right. Like he's the guy that knows what's going on. They have a last minute addition. Who's a total fuck up. And then you have like the semi-serious guy. I mean, there's, there's, they're perfect. Like the, the composition is perfect, but I just love the line delivery of all, all the line deliveries of the guy, but when he's just like, excuse me, Jim, I hate to interrupt and all when they're like having conversations. Like, I hate to in interrupt middle- Bible study, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's really great. Um, and then when the Bible guy is just like, at night we go down to the river and into the river we dive. <laughs> I literally was like, I'm from New Jersey and I was like, Springsteen. <laughs> he's like, they're not all, like, I can't quote from the Bible all the time, right? For what he says. <laughs> it is, it is very funny. I was sad that he died. I'm wondering if that was trying to be like, if they're trying to make their own Jules from, was it Jules from Pulp Fiction? Was that, was that Samuel? Kind Jackson? of. Yeah, exactly. Samuel Jackson. You're right. Yeah. Exactly. Same deal. But I, and Damn, like, this movie's just pulling from everywhere. Again, like, and they're just trying, like, they're just trying something with God. Like, I don't know what they were trying to do with God. I forgot about that character, but I just, such a half-baked God idea or subplot. Yeah, they didn't know what they were doing with God either. <laughs> Well, look, here's my thought. Do we think we needed the uncle to be in on the heist? Like, I feel like that would have helped Christian Slater's motivation if he was an innocent guy that was killed. That is a good point. I, I get why they wanted the twist. I understand. But it they almost dropped that, too. Like, then it was all also like. Yeah. It doesn't have the gravitas it should. For sure, <laughs> the it needed. Like, didn't it? Didn't own it. It was. That's what it feels like. It feels like piecemeal. Like a bunch of editors, fingers in the pie, editing different pieces. One guy is really about the God angle, John, and then he's sort of they they put you know they here have a few lines over here, mini driver, sure, whatever. Then they like have the Christian Slater's bad, the Christian Slater's good, the Christian Slater's indifferent. He's saving the company. He's out for himself. It's all over the place. They also had a lot of injuries that looked far more severe than like what happened. Or There's maybe- also poop in that water, man. There's it's yeah. so dirty, right? Like I mean, there were injuries that were way more severe than they looked on, like that would have killed you. Like when Minnie Driver got punched, she would have been dead. Okay, like that's <laughs> okay, a- she would have been dead. That is not, when they knock her off the boat, she would have been dead. Well, even like, it's just, a lot of it's phoned in, you know, it's like Christian Slater has like pink blood when he's in the jail and you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> just get a little bit better prop. You spent all your budget on water. And then but. the shot that Morgan Freeman gets at the end, that looked like it killed him. And then he like, it's not even in pain at the end. He's just like, yeah, it got me right here. Right here, a famously like, <laughs> meaty, less meaty spot of my body. It doesn't yeah, nothing hurt. vital in this area. <laughs> He's fine. I, I think at one point, like they kept on, they kept on doing that weird thing too with like the town statue. Like they kept on using the statue yes! at this point. Also and a then, Titanic vibe. Yep. And then when they, and then when like the the boat kind of went over it and it got kind of got pierced with the statue sword. I just looked over again at my husband and said, like, why did Morgan Freeman fall asleep? 
like why like why is he and then he says no john he pa um he got knocked out in the crash it's like oh that wasn't very i don't know why that wasn't very clear to me yeah i thank you for bringing up the statue i totally forgot about that visual and that goes back to what we were saying earlier about like it could have been this earmark throughout the film of how high the water was going, but we only see it like two or three times and it's totally random. I also feel like it's different watching this, this movie and like this destruction in like a post Katrina era. And like, it's happened many, I think also like the climate is changing and like, this is happening like many, you know, multiple times a year. I feel like cities in the, in the U S alone or like having to basically like totally rebuild and I feel like in 98 like it was still something that like could be sort of fictionalized in this way but so many uh, like so I have like a a bunch of times in my notes where I'm like oh this is different in like a post-Katrina era and like like the talk all the talk about the looting and like the like way the way the town gets when it floods and like how ready they are for it you know like so I feel like it it's not even necessarily something I would change about the plot, but I think it's a different lens to look through it. Um, and like they talk, they say literally like the levees broke like a few times they talk about that. And like, do. that's something that's totally in the general lexicon now, I feel like because like not even in storm areas because we know about it. Um, so I think that's interesting too. If like you pulled audiences, like, you know, from 98 versus now, like how many of us would acquaint it with like, Katrina or like Hurricane Harvey or like one of the big storms that we've seen. That's a Great good point. point. And even for 1998, I did find it really bizarre how many driver was like, I guess another levee broke. Yeah. Like anybody <laughs> who lives somewhere with levees is not kind of like shrugging off the levee breaking <laughs> at any point in time. Yeah, she's pretty like nonchalant about it until it's like your church is going, girl. <laughs> Well, can we just real quick, can we go back to what we were talking about the lack? I think, John, you brought it up. She's just not quite a strong representation from a female character. I'd love for us to itemize all the lists. My, the big thing for me was the very dramatic gun holding scene at the end. Because, look, I mentioned before, I'm not into guns, whatever. But, like, that was the most stereotypical like the girl has the gun she doesn't know how to use it it's terrible like scene i've ever seen and it was really disappointing for me uh because she did have all these strong moments but there were just pockets of just like come on man it's so disappointing she stabbed a man in the neck with no hesitation and she can't hold a gun it reminded me of like um like this is random too um but i, I just remember reading about like the development of bell and beating the beast and how, can't remember her name, I'm so sorry, um, but the writer of that movie um, that was writing Belle kept on fighting and fighting and fighting, you know, the all the all the male creators about, like, you know, it's, they all wanted her to go and find ingredients to make a cake for, for Beast, and it's like, no, like, why don't we, you know, give her something more active to do? Like, I want her to read more. And so they compromised, like, well, well, we'll just have her sitting and reading a lot, which is, was kind of their compromise. It was more intellectual than baking a cake, um, but it was still kind of passive. And I feel like they were kind of having the same conversation about Minnie Driver's character. Like they kept on saying like a okay, strong, independent female character. She can save herself. She can take care of herself. She's a badass. That's, you know, that's refurbishing this church. Um, and they would give her moments where she got to rescue herself. But then at the last minute, Christian Slater had to step in or somebody else had to step in and, and finish rescuing her. 
you know, like she yeah. almost like I thought that was pretty ingenious, actually, like the way that she slowly moved up the banister and like was unscrewing the banister um, to survive. And it's like, that's pretty ingenious. Like after you, you know, after you killed your after you killed your near rapist, you're like slowly um, getting yourself out of the situation. And then but still needed Christian Slater to finish and finish rescuing her. Like they just couldn't allow her to ever finish rescuing herself. The, the saw in the kitchen, you know? Yeah, exactly. You know, the saw so in the kitchen, in the cabinet, by the sink. You're like... Is that, oh, that's where I keep my yeah. saw in the kitchen. It's not, not where you're supposed Also, to like, <laughs> that was like a saw, saw, saw. That wasn't a... No, I know. It's crazy. I also just don't think we needed the assault, the near mm. assault. Definitely I, I, not. It just didn't... It, it felt out of context. It felt, it felt not right for this movie. Yeah, it was again splashing it. Some other guy was like in the background, being like, "We need this." I think John, you're absolutely right that that analogy about Beauty and the Beast is it. It's all the stuff that goes on beyond behind the scenes, and especially for a movie that took two years, like there had to be some crazy negotiating and like this producer wanted it that way or had these expectations or whatever. And clearly, Christian Slater was kind of off his gourd, and you know, like it seemed messy. Right, you know, in that every sense of the word behind the scenes. Ironically, like out of all the Christmas Slater performances I've ever seen, this one se- he actually seemed toned down. Because <laughs> uh, he guess. was so bored. Yeah, may- yeah, maybe. But I feel like it's there was no like manic energy from, um, like how he was in like pump up the volume or, um, Heather's or. Yeah, he was just kind of flat. No, I see what you mean. There was kind of an everyman quality to him that was kind of off for Christian Slater, if that makes sense. Like, are they were they trying to have him be for you know essentially the straight man so that people could imprint upon him? But like, again, you know that's so surface level. You go back to our earlier question of like, what's his motivation? And to me, it just seems like you're getting yourself into a dangerous situation for absolutely no reason, <laughs> and you don't even get to kiss the girl at the end. Fuck. You're too tired to bone. Yep, too, yep, freeze frame. Everyone was excited for the movie to be over. They're like, just stop it. Right when that happened, right when they did the freeze frame, I kind of expected a, like a like a rap song to pop up, summarizing the plot of the movie. Totally. <laughs> That's exactly the era, right? Um, should we talk recasting? Kiki Palmer. Okay. Oh, yeah, we like to cast Kiki Palmer and everything. That's the theme of this podcast. <laughs> I don't know which uh, which character, but like uh, all of them. All of them. Yeah, all of them. Like a nutty professor situation. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing about this, though, is I feel like this movie, because it has so many like hard hitters in a fun way that like, I just want to see the same people older. Uh, I don't I don't know how to break this to you, but Betty White's dead. You can get Lily Tomlin in that Betty White part. I, I was thinking that Christian Slater could be recast. Uh, we could put Kristen Stewart there every time we pass the Bechdel test. And it would be a more interesting queer storyline. We could keep Minnie Driver. That would be fine. Hey, I'd love that. I feel like she's got the same, like, brooding energy. We could write in some, you know, some motive, some motivation to solve that problem. But I feel like she is a little similar to Christian Slater, uh, like, generally, sometimes in her performances. I think you're right. And she could do a very every woman type of role, right? But yes, I also agree that Minnie Driver could just be Minnie Driver. (laughs) It's just like that woman's timeless to me. I'm like, is she even that much older (laughs) in my mind? And she was so excellent in Goodwill Hunting that it is funny that these crossed over so 
um, at the same time, because it's like, wow, it, you get a phenomenal actress in both movies and so much range, so much. Could we fit Megan Mullally in this is in this movie somewhere in this remake somewhere? She could be. We can always fit her. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And Nick Offerman could be the husband. Perfect. Oh my god. I actually said Bill Nye. Like the is that how you pronounce his last name? Should be the husband because he is like that old curmudgeon dude who just has attitude about his wife and would probably do like some comedy tour about how much he hates his wife but actually does love her. Um. In that role, but I do, uh, I do like Nick Offerman as a choice. I like that stunt casting. Um, I I'm gonna just throw the Randy Quaid character out there because I really had a hard time with this one, and I went with Rain Wilson from The Office. Honestly, should this should Hard Rain? I feel like Hard Rain should just be like kind of a comedy thriller. Yeah, like I'm just imagining like Rain Wilson, like you know him when like the characters, everybody just kind of gets whiplash when he reveals himself to actually be stealing the money. It's like, of course I am. It's three million dollars. I make I make like ten thousand dollars a year. The uh, the the young guy Kenny, you know the seventeen year old fuck up, or I don't know how how old is he? He is, but he seems like that. I actually put Chris Tucker because <laughs> I was like he's comic relief, so that fits in with your comedy he's thriller. like 55 years old but yeah. <laughs> well, i mean whatever he's just a loud mouth it's perfect you know we're not respecting ages respecting ages i love the idea of chris tucker yeah i'm wondering if like the character that character should just kind of be portrayed as like an uh, as kind of a scared intern that's making a lot of mistakes the first <laughs> yeah. day. Ooh, like what about michael sarah <laughs> oh <laughs> I kind of like Michael Sarah's the Bible quoting Ray though. Yeah, Michael Sarah would have played a, or he would have played the really the guy who kind of has the the crisis. Oh, of the crush, the crush on Mini Driver guy. Yeah, he, I feel like it would have been maybe someone like him. Wait, no, who was the guy? Phil? Was it Phil who was the awkward guy? Yeah, it Phil. was. That was him, right? Okay, because I had Toby McGuire for him because the same vibes, you know, like super awkward. <laughs> I also thought like the Ed Asner character, I just thought of this immediately. And I think if that's Danny Glover, just like old man, like just like he has just calming voice and he's just like, yeah, this is the job. And then he gets fucking shot by Chris Tucker. (laughs) I thought of a different Danny. I was thinking Danny DeVito. I'd like Danny DeVito to be the mayor. I feel like there's a lot of contenders for the role of the mayor. When they, um, when Ed Asner was shot, he just kind of popped out of nowhere into the frame, clutching his throat. Yeah. and dying and and, dr- and like drowning in water and blood. It did remind me of um of Danny DeVito dying in Batman Returns. Oh yeah, when he grabs his throat, so gross. But he puked like pink blood in this movie instead of black blood. <laughs> also, that makes me think of Michael Keaton, who I feel like could be the oh, Tom yeah. character. Oh, totally. I do need more Michael Keaton. He hasn't been around enough lately. Yeah, yeah. Michael Keaton. We need more very much. We need a a couple more women. Like 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 one one of the outlaws should be a woman. Let's make it two. Mm, let's see. Yeah, let's go. On. We don't need to limit ourselves. There, it's it's really male heavy. It's very nice patriarchal thinking. <laughs> what about Leslie? Who, who if if we had the token male? Oh, sorry, Leslie Jones, Ooh. Kate McKinnon, just all of Ghostbusters. The whole I cast mean, were women, and you had one token guy though. Which role would it be? I mean, I'm just picturing again Michael Sarah just like floating helplessly in a boat and in a in a big chair in a big like deputy hat. Just <laughs> so there you go, Michael Sarah and Michael all Sarah women. would be perfect. 
And then uh, Morgan Freeman, the main, so the main Morgan Freeman part, what did we say again? Oh, oh wow. So. We, didn't we didn't talk about the Morgan Freeman character yet. See, but now like our whole plan has changed. <laughs> like, yeah, now I want some badass lady to do it. I mean, who could it be? I mean, Octavia I, I, Spencer. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, that, that would, <laughs> that would, she would be really fucking intense. Totally. <laughs> is this the comedy version? Where it's like that part is the only straight played part and every other part is comic <laughs> relief. Actually, it, like Morgan Freeman's part is just the same beat all the time. And he's just, I did like the part we didn't talk about it where he's just like, how many times have I told you I'm in it for the money? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so funny because it's like, it does play with the twist of like the, the villain's heart warms and he's just like, fuck you. I want to get paid. I feel, felt like he had like one of the most realistic motivations in the movie. Like, yeah, it was super clear why he was in it. <laughs> Brian Cranston could also do it. True. Totally believable. And it would be a similar kind of thing where I, I just want to go to Belize maybe one day. Or no, Belize was Christian Slater. I just want to have my retirement, though. Like, this is my retirement. I want to have my nest egg. Okay, now I'm relating to this movie. Like, retirement is a motivation that I can relate to. There you go. But again, the Belize vibe was totally Shawshank Redemption. Same kind of thing, you know? You're like, God damn. See, we went over. I got the it. That's what happened. It was made over such a long period of time that so many people were like, well, they did this, they did this, they did this, they did this. And many drivers were like, well, we did this and Goodwill Hunting. Well, we did this. Yeah, it's a Frankenstein no, movie. It is a Frankenstein movie. It's a monster. And then we say Minnie Driver gets to keep her part. Honestly, I feel like she's even grown, like the the idea of like, you know, this 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 very artistic woman, like restoring a, a church single-handedly. Like, I feel like Minnie Driver has grown into that kind of persona more over the years. She's holding that gun steady this time. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because she target practices in the back of her church. But now it's like in New England, like an art colony. <laughs> <laughs> she had to move to a new church. Higher ground. <laughs> I feel like um I feel like this could a remake of this could have been um Alan Arkin's swan uh swan song as um as a Charlie Ed Asner character. He would have yes. been yes. doing great. That would have that's a great call. Yes. I love him. I feel like this was a a fun one and who knew it was gonna have so many relations to Titanic? Who would have thought? Yeah, I feel like like our remake that we've kind of pieced together. I actually kind of want to watch our version. All right, I'll contact many people. I'm game. <laughs> yeah. We have a lot, I knew we'll do a reading of this one too. <laughs> I'm sending a lot of handwritten letters to strangers and then people get back to me. Like when I wrote to Newberry authors as a fourth grader. So <laughs> love it. Could you just imagine like being a producer in Hollywood, just getting a just getting like a handwritten letter? Like I have ideas for a remake of Hard Rain. Hi, me again. Another idea. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Once again, you just be like, you know, Tim Robbins and Shawshank Redemption. Just write a letter a week till they give in. So for August, we're going to be watching the 2000 Robert Zemeckis directed, uh, I think, classic, uh, What Lies Beneath with Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, my God. So good. Love it. I, Love I've that never movie. seen it. I am so excited. I okay, you have to watch it on the biggest screen you have in a super dark room by yourself. It's required. Don't, you'll be too scared. <laughs> I could never. 
<laughs> I'm so excited. I bet you it was a movie I wanted to see. And my mom was like, no. When your mom was right. <laughs> I really bet you that, that was something that I would have. Because I remember like the hand on the bathtub. On the tub. Yeah. And I was like, this is probably not appropriate for like that age. But I'm glad to see it now. It's going to be great. <laughs> 